to the podcast for North Decatur Presbyterian Church. We are a PCUSA congregation located in Decatur, Georgia. You can find out more about the church, our service to the community, and our great education programs for children like me and youth and adults at ndpc.org. You can also follow us on Facebook. If you're in the Atlanta area, we hope you'll come join us in person. Okay, that's it. On to this week's scripture and sermon. From Luke's Gospel, the first chapter in the 26th verse. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Rejoice, favored one. The Most High God is with you. But Mary was troubled by the angel's words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Sovereign God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his rule there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have not known a man intimately? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit, she will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. This is the sixth month for her who was called barren. For nothing, nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the slave of God. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel left her. This is the word of God. It is for us, the people of God. We say together, Thanks be to God. 
This section of scripture is beautiful and it is important, not just at Christmas time, but the whole year round. There's so much here that we could and should talk about that's going on between Mary and between Gabriel and God. I want us to focus this morning on Mary's last phrase. After she hears all that the angel tells her about her pregnancy, about the future of her child, and about God, Mary says in response to the angel, let it be with me according to your word. I want us to focus and listen to Mary's words, let it be. There are probably a few of you out in the church this morning who hear these words and don't hear Mary, you hear Paul McCartney. So let's go ahead and sing Paul McCartney's words this morning. If you know it, sing along. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. And in my hour of darkness, she is standing right in front of me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. I don't do Beatles exegesis very much, but I do know that Paul McCartney himself said that he wrote these lyrics after his own mother Mary appeared to him in a dream. Mary had died of cancer when Paul was only 14 years old, and he said that when she appeared, and when she spoke to him, he felt her comfort. Maybe you hear a similar comfort in these words when the hour is dark. What a gift it can be to hear a voice that you trust saying to you, let it be. You do not know how this is all going to go, how it will all turn out, but I promise you, you will be all right. Every one of us needs that kind of assurance in our lives that we don't always have to fight. We don't always have to keep up this frantic pace. We don't always have to rage against the machine. We can trust in what will be. I also know that there is a tension that lies underneath these three words. The tension is that you and I are not always ready to just let it be. 
We are convinced that there is still much to do. There are demands on your life. Something important is yet to be finished. A wrong must be righted. A battle is left for you to win. You cannot just let it be. If you don't push and fight, it won't turn out like it is supposed to. I would guess that many of us, maybe all of us, in some important areas in our lives are not ready to let it be. Not when it comes to our children's well-being, not when it comes to our own life and our own security, not when it comes to the health of the planet. If you're the kind of person who struggles with letting it be, I want to honor that this morning. I sure as heck don't often feel like a let it be kind of guy. I feel like that's just giving away my power, giving away the agency that I've been given. So I want to know what is this phrase? Is it a deeply powerful spiritual affirmation? Or is it passive acquiescence to the status quo? Let's spend a few moments paying attention to what Mary is saying, and then perhaps we can judge for ourselves. So if we go back to the story in Luke, the way that Luke tells it, it is clear, I think, from the very beginning that Mary is not sure that this is what she wants for her life. She was not, I think, the first person in line at the I want to be the mother of God pageant. The angel Gabriel appears and tries to head off Mary's reluctance by buttering her up a bit. He calls her favored one. Mary, to her credit, isn't buying what he's selling. She is troubled, Luke says. She is troubled by the angel's appearance in her room. So Gabriel gets right to the point of why he is there to see her. You have found favor with God, Mary. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you will name him Jesus. Jesus will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. The Sovereign God will give to Jesus the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his rule there will be no end. Sounds good, right? Well, it sounds good to us, but only because we are so familiar with this passage that we have domesticated it into a kind of a lapdog that wants to be scratched behind the ears. The angel's words in truth are weird and they are very disturbing. First off, there is not one person living 
like Mary is living among those who are poor in Roman-occupied Palestine in that moment, who could ever realistically conceive of a king that would restore the house of David and rule forever. It's an absurd political idea. It's a lost cause and a fool's errand. Indeed, we know that Jesus' life and his death at the hands of the Romans bears that out. But Mary sticks with the most obvious concern. Gabriel, I've never had sex. If I'm pregnant and anyone finds out, my life is over. What kind of good news, I ask, puts a woman's life at stake? The angel says, your pregnancy is by the Holy Spirit. Your cousin Elizabeth, she's pregnant also. Nothing, nothing, Mary, is impossible for God. That's the angel's closing argument. All that's left is for Mary to respond with hers. Men, and especially women, have debated for thousands of years whether Mary had any freedom in this moment to say no. Many have read the power dynamics in this scene and have concluded that she could not. A recent hashtag on social media, hashtag Mary Too, received this long-standing belief and translated it into the present moment that Mary is being subjected to a spiritualized sexual violence. Her body and the arc of her life taken without her consent by God. Mary's verbal response does not refute that idea. Here I am, she says, the slave of God. We always like to say servant because it sounds easier on the ears. So when she then says, let it be, it is reasonable, I think, to hear that line as the acquiescence of a woman who has no options. Let it be. Do with me what you are going to do. If Mary's story ended there, then we would not have any choice but to see her as a victim. 
But biblical scholar Will Gaffney writes that Mary, much like Hagar long, long before her, is not a passive vessel. She's not an incubator of the divine life. She is, and I quote Gaffney, a theologian and a conversation partner for God. It is Mary herself who seems to be the first one to grasp the paradox that even though she feels enslaved to God, the child that she will bear will make us free. By the time she arrives at Elizabeth's house to see her cousin, Mary is singing, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God who saves me. God has looked with favor on the lowliest servant. Surely all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones, lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. It's Mary who sings this song about herself and about her child. It's Mary who sees and knows who God is. It's as though Mary says, okay, God, if you're going to take my body, here's my plan for how this is all going to play out. This is how I plan to raise this child. He will be the one the prophets dreamed about. He will be the one who makes all wrongs right. He will be the one who marries justice and peace together, the one who wipes every tear from every eye. That's who I plan for my child to be. That's the song I will sing to him when he is in my womb. That's how I will raise him. Because that, that God is who I believe that you are. So God, Mary seems to say, you better be all in with me and with my child. Mary takes her agency back. She's not an object, but she is one of the great subjects in our whole holy story. Mary bears and nurses and protects and teaches this child. Mary follows him and takes care of him. Mary sees him grow up into himself, into this identity. Mary also sees her son betrayed, and Mary watches her own beloved child die. Is she also there gathering the spices on resurrection morning? Did she touch him just like Thomas did? 
Tradition says that Mary is there with the disciples on the day of Pentecost to feel the rushing wind of the Spirit. And tradition says Mary became one of the great leaders in the early church. This human being had her whole existence taken over by God. It was a situation that she could not control. But she did not just acquiesce. She responded by saying, God, if you are going to use my life in this way, I expect the best that you've got. I want all the love in the world to be with me and with my child. Mary is God's partner. In her response to the angel's announcement, Mary tells God to be God. She even uses God's own words in her response. For she remembers, perhaps, that God, God created all things in the universe. God created light and laughter and love and life with the words, let there be. Recalling God's own goodness back to God's self. Mary declares, let it be with me according to your word. Let the church together say, amen.